Hey everybody, it's Eric Torenberg, co-founder, partner of Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is Venture Stories, a podcast covering topics relating to tech and business with world-leading experts. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Venture Stories by Village Global. I'm here today with the very special guest, longtime friend, uh, rep in Detroit, uh, Andrew Landau. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Andrew, you are the founder and CEO of Jewel. Uh, talk about what Jewel is and how you came to start it. Because when I, when we were hanging out in Detroit, you were running a company called Chalkfly, which was trying to be the Zappos of office supplies. So I'm curious how that journey has led to what you're up to now. Correct. So I'll give a little background. First of all, Eric, thanks for having me. It's really yeah. great to be in San Francisco with you. So post Chalkfly, which we sold in 2014, which was in Detroit, I moved to New York where I was working for Jet.com. Mm-hmm. And you know, don't have to sell you, Detroit's a great city. Yep. There's a great energy there, just a, a great culture. And wanted to move back in the city where I was born and raised to sort of be part of the entrepreneurial movement that's happening there. And in late 2017, founded a company called Jewel. Website is usejewel.com. And Jewel is a loyalty site where customers who shop via our site get cash back on luxury and premium retailers. Uh, So, you know, just because you spend a lot of money, it doesn't mean you don't want a good deal. And luxury retailers are looking to connect with cost conscious and aspirational consumers. And our site gives them the opportunity to do that. And out of all the ideas you could have pursued, how did you come across, because this is a pretty like, specific idea, how did you come across this pain point or this opportunity? Sure. So I worked in a similar sort of capacity when I was at Google post-college and certainly at Jet. And luxury is one of the least penetrated markets online. So whether you're talking about luxury, all these up-and-coming DTC, you know, sort of consumer retail products, they're really looking for customer acquisition. They're looking to reach a new audience. And so the thought was, hey, if they're going to sell online, they don't maybe they don't want to be next. You know, they don't want to be in a marketplace where they're next to retailers that are repping toilet paper and paper towel mm-hmm. and toothpaste. They want to be next to other premium brands. And so with us, they can be next other brands that are similar or even higher, sort of a price point, and not feel like they're discounting their items while also reaching a larger segment of customers. And when did you first realize that this segment was being ignored or is, is nobody doing this? Or when, when did you first realize the, that this is an opportunity? Probably sometime in the last three years. It wasn't, it wasn't like I had an aha moment right. on a mountain. I think it was an evolution working in retail and working in yeah. e-commerce. I guess I'm getting old for the last eight or nine years. Yeah. There really was a feeling that a lot of these up and coming consumer brands didn't have a marketplace that was focused on them. The big marketplaces like an Amazon, obviously incredibly successful, but a much broader reach and, and really, you know, not the segment that necessarily all these up and coming consumer yeah. brands and luxury brands want to target. Yeah. And so um, let's give a brief history of the sort of cash back. Um, like what are, you mentioned some companies here, Ebates, Honey, Shop at Home, et cetera. When did that sort of become a, a big thing that there were big businesses you know, providing that service just generally. So, so I believe Ebates sold to Rakuten for, I think, a billion dollars about mm. 10 years ago. Wow. And Amazon actually was the first affiliate company. Hmm. And what's happened over the past five to six years is you've had all these loyalty companies come on board. A lot of them are focusing on Amazon. They're focusing on how can you do price comparison. They're focusing on how you can get better deals on sort of these everyday consumable goods. 
um, over the past couple years, you're having all of these additional brands that are selling online that are also looking to be part of the affiliate or loyalty space. And you know, if somebody is gonna buy, just as an example, if someone's gonna buy a pair of shoes, they may not care initially which retailer they get it from. They're looking for a price that, yeah. that's most consumers, especially, you know, sort of you look a swath of America. And so with us, brands can give someone basically an arm's length transaction, some cash back shopping through our site. Yeah. And then once they shop directly via that brand site, whether it's their return policy, their customer service, their online or offline experience, they can go ahead and build and win the brand. Right. And so we give them the opportunity to acquire the customer, but you know, by giving a little incentive back at the same time. Yeah. And how are these companies so valuable? You know, eBay's selling for a billion dollars or, or you're trying to do that for luxury. Do you, do you guys end up owning the consumer or do you have valuable data or how, how do you guys, how, how are they defensible? Sure. So, so it's a mix. So when someone shops through Jewel and, and of course, you know, we're upfront with the customer, we know what someone's buying, when they buy it, the size, the color, the skew. that is data that, that Jewel owns. And what we can do is we can help retailers retarget their customers and new customers right. utilizing the data. So we obviously get the customer data, which is an asset to any company um, and, and it's an asset to Jewel. And obviously the retailer will own the customer at the same time. Yeah. And so on Jewel, while the customer is shopping via our site, the end transaction is actually taking place on the retailer site. And so we're not taking their customer. We're really more of a partner helping them find new customers. Right. And um, let's look at the sort of luxury commerce market. Obviously, I'm, I'm curious what the uh, sub-segments within that market are. Obviously, there's the, the brands themselves. There's you know, marketplaces, maybe like Farfetch'd. Um, there's Jewel's Cashback. What, what are different types of companies that can be built or that have been built um, in luxury? Yeah, yeah. so I think luxury has a bunch of different players. You have the mono brands like uh, Hermes, Chanel, you know, the LVMH group brands. You have a lot of up-and-coming uh, sort of digital luxury brands, whether it's Net-A-Porter, Farfetch, Uchs, Essence, Moda Operande. And then I also think as luxury, you know, just because it's not expensive doesn't mean it's not luxury or premium. Right. And so you have all these up-and-coming brands that are coming on the marketplace, whether it's a Glossier or Everlane, that may not be expensive, but I think they would consider themselves premium, and I'd also consider themselves premium. Right. And so by working with Jewel, they really get that chance to get a new customer but be associated with other premium brands. And, and just what happens on the back end is the brands pay us a commission for referring them business. Right. And then we give part of that commission back to the customer. Right. And so it's really easy if you're, you know, go back to the brand proposition, the brands are only paying us if we're referring them a sale. So it's a little bit different than on a per click or per impression basis or being on a billboard. Right. They're only paying us for new for a customer. And, and that's a really clear value proposition you know, as we're going into the marketplace. Right. And um, what, you, what you didn't mention that you did not mention is, is marketplace. I, I could be under, misunderstanding Farfetch. I thought Farfetch was a marketplace for luxury. Good. Is it both a brand in itself and then also a yeah, yeah, marketplace? Yeah, exa exactly, Eric. So so market. So I would say, you know, the Farfetch and Net-A-Portes of the group of the world, they are a marketplace, that they're also a brand. Hmm. We work with all those luxury marketplaces. Right. So if a customer wants to shop one of those brands, they can do it via Jewel. They obviously can do it directly on their sites, but a lot of customers are coming to Jewel to find and discover what's new. So we're working with a lot of up-and-coming athleisure brands. And so they, you know, if somebody's looking for a new, you know, workout gear, they can see the different brands that we're working with. We can curate it. We can tell them what's up and coming, what's new. Yeah. And then they can shop any of those brands directly through our site. Right. And why... Um, choose to build a company, Jewel, in the way you're building it, instead of building 
a brand directly or a marketplace directly? Where do you think, where does most of the value get captured? So I think there's a couple of things there. If you're just a direct to consumer brand, in the beginning, you only have one or two SKUs, which yeah. which obviously there's a lot of value in that because you can really focus. I think from a business standpoint, we're working with hundreds of different brands. So if one brand either doesn't work with us or goes under, or there's something outside of our control. From a business, we have a little bit more of a moat because we don't rely on one band, one brand to build a successful business. So really, we think of ourselves as sort of like a 2.0 marketplace mm-hmm. where new up-and-coming marketplaces and DTC brands can go ahead and shop you know, and, and work with us. And yeah. so it sort of gives us that defensibility um, and also an opportunity to help to really partner with those brands opposed to being a competitor. Right. And... Um... So you partner with hundreds of brands. How does is that all manual, or how how are those partnerships we, forming? We, we have direct relationships with, with every single one of these brands. You know, mm-hmm. we're meeting them, we're chatting with them. the The retail space is actually a pretty small world, and so yeah. we've been really lucky to have agencies help us out, and retailers, and, and other sort of marketing people say, "Hey, you know, especially when you think about building a marketplace." one of the hardest parts is often supply. How do you build up that supply? And so early on, we had 50, 60 brands and really just, you know, like any startup working every day, having clear goals, hitting your goals on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, you continue to build that snowball. And once you sort of get that, you know, sort of whatever that, the number that you need of big luxury brands, all the other ones want to be a part of it. And we've been really fortunate to, you know, just sort of deliver quality customers to our partners. And we've continued to just have, you know, really, really good response in the marketplace. And how did unit economics work? So the the brands pay us a commission. We pay back part of that commission to the customer. But I think we're just V1. So right now, once a season, customers, you know, you may be buying through us dozens of times, you know, throughout a quarter. We take all the money that you've earned, and then we'll send you one check, or we'll send you money via PayPal. Eventually, there's other payments that we're going to do. And so as we think about like the evolution of where we want to be, it's not just you know sending you money once once a quarter, but you know maybe we send you money immediately. Maybe right. whether you're using a Chrome extension, whether you're using a mobile app, whether you're going a desktop connected to your credit card, we can be helping retailers attract new customers and all of those different mediums. Right. And, and that's something you know that we, we hope to offer sometime in the future. My friends at Lolly are sending people Bitcoin. They were I think previously at Ebates, and now. It's uh, it's cashback, but Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, yeah. So which is interesting. So what um, what is sort of the take over the world plan, um, or what's sort of the biggest version of uh, of what Jewel could be as a company? So I, th- I think we're just in chapter one. I mean, you know, as I, as I noted, luxury is is such a small piece of the online marketplace, mm-hmm. and so if we think about all of the traffic, all of the customers that are buying from these luxury brands and these direct to consumer brands. We could be the number one sort of traffic driver, new customer acquisition source for all of these brands that are looking for new online consumers. And I think if you look at, you know, talking about the consumer side, if you look at some of these great brands that have built loyalty models, take even an American Express, right? What happens when you go use your American Express at a coffee shop? And sort of on the low level, you literally are just paying for something. But there's all these other intangible benefits that you benefits that you get with it. So when we think about Jewel in the future, sure, you're going to get a benefit using our site. But there's all these other benefits, whether it's exclusive shopping trips or access to uh, special concerts or additional capital that you can have. And so basically, it's sort of the membership program of the future right. that that we hope to build. Yeah. And- that's awesome. And why is it not a commodity in the sense of why couldn't uh, you know someone else 
offer offer the same service and drive prices down? Like, why isn't it race? Why isn't it a race to the bottom in terms of pricing? Well, I, I think there's a couple things. You know, as our positioning is, we want to be that place for the luxury and premium market. And so, I think by definition, as we've set up, and really by definition, the the older companies they are focusing on a very different segment of the market. And so the brands that we work with are open to giving us different, often higher commissions, exclusives, other things that they would not want to maybe give in the mass market segment because we are targeting new customers who are not just trying to save money, but that are looking to find and discover, have disposable income. Right. And, and I think we, and we've been really fortunate to do it so far. I think we really can you know, build, a, build a very large scalable business around that. Totally. My question is, could someone do the exact same thing what you're doing and just do it much cheaper? Uh, and if so, um, yeah, I guess I would just, or is there something differentiated about the product? Like I get that it's the focus on luxury, but even within luxury, could someone just say, Hey, we're gonna do the same thing. We're going to do it cheaper. Um, and that will drive prices down. Well, so, so, you know, from a cheaper standpoint, what we're doing is or cheaper, give them more commission, you know, take less commission. Every one, every one of the rates, so so let's take a step back. Every t- every rate that we have with a partner, these are individually negotiated rates that we have each, with each partner. So whether, you know, Jewel is deciding how much we want to give back, right. but the partners are, we are working one-on-one with the partners. And so those relationships that we have, that traffic that we have is unique to us. Yeah. Somebody couldn't necessarily just come in off the street and say, hey, we want to call up Neiman Marcus. That's right. uh, that's not usually how it works. Yeah. So you know, it's like like anything else. It's a relationship game, and right. we built that, and we're driving new traffic. And then we hope as we continue to build sort of the Jewel 2.0 loyalty model, right, that will continue to help differentiate what we're doing. Um, there's people you know can always decide how they want to purchase, but like with us with Jewel, there's no membership fees, there's no gimmicks, there's right. there's no points or anything it's a really clear value proposition so as long as you make it really easy for the customers as long as they see benefits and as long as the brands um you know also are finding value in it it really could be basically a whole new advertising sort of field that that hasn't been discovered yet whole new advertising sort of field. say more about that like yeah well well you know we we are working with you know jewel as working with hundreds of brands has thousands and thousands of customers all throughout country and and that obviously can multiply over the next few years and so we think that that can really be you know brands that are looking for new customers whether they're certain demographic or segment or in geography they can come to us and really get you know target specific customers who are potentially you know targeting like brands Um, that's something that we can offer and since we're only charging them for an actual sale uh, you know opposed to some of these other advertising models out there it's a much clearer value proposition for them. And, you know, that's something that you know, I think brands would be willing to, to pay for. Right. So the reason uh, why it would be hard to compete is, or the thing that's most initially hard or difficult to build is relationships with hundreds of, exactly you know, elite brands and exactly. trusted relationships. Exactly. And I, and I think what we've been really fortunate, you know, we now have thousands and thousands of customers and paid out hundreds of thousands of dollars to, yeah. to customers all throughout the country. So, you know, that has that has brought a lot of trust with us for our customers because they know if they work with us, we're legitimate. We yeah. pay out. We offer a great experience. You know, some of the intangibles that you have to have as a business that not all do. It's a, it's really a credit to our team. Right. You know, they, they care and work hard and we all do. And so that builds trust and hopefully we can add even more value in that ecosystem right. over the coming years. And you hold no inventory? We hold no inventory. We stock no SKUs. 
building distribution centers is a very expensive proposition yeah. and it's it's really hard to compete against the big guys of the world so by not actually you know we get the data we we get the sale but by actually not actually stocking any any products it gives us a lot of flexibility as a business and, and it's it's a lower cost business as well right and how have you acquired customers so over 80% of our traffic thus far has all been organic. You know, the internet's a very chatty place. So whether it's review sites or bloggers or influencers, they have said, hey, if you're trying to look good on a budget, shop through Jewel. If you want to make some extra money, if you want to discover what's new, take a look at Jewel and we'll go ahead you know, and, and give you some cash back. And so you know, I've been part of other businesses where you need to spend literally millions of dollars a month in terms of customer yeah. acquisition. Uh, we've been really fortunate and a testament again to the team that we've been able to scale up very, very quickly with essentially all word of mouth advertising. Who do you view as your competitor? I think our, well, so I, I think our biggest competitor, like any startup right now, is ourselves. Like we have to execute on a day to day basis. We need to hit our goals. Um, there's obviously some very successful companies out there, loyalty sites that are doing billions of dollars a year. Um, it's a large market. Luxury is still very, very small in terms of online sales. And so I think if we execute and we provide a good service and a good product, you know, I, I think we're, we, we, like any startup, I think are going to be the dictators of our success. Right. What percentage of luxury commerce is online? Under 20 right now. Why, why isn't it much more? Well, because brands really want to control their experience. And if you think about luxury, a lot of it right now is the in-store experience, right? It's the touch, it's the feel, it's going into that, you know, a a nice store. But I think brands, as we know, if you think about like the omni-channel shopping experience, there's really a lot of ways they can interact with customers. So just because their first experience is online doesn't mean they can't have an offline experience in the future, doesn't mean they can't take them in stores and private shopping trips. There's a lot of different ways to do it. And so I think luxury brands in the past have been hesitant to dive into online but as customers, as you take the other side, customers now are more comfortable spending hundreds or thousands of dollars without ever physically seeing a product. Yeah. And so since customers are able to, you know, create sort of a virtuous circle where brands are happy to engage in that as well. And I think together, every online is happening. And it's just a matter of who can offer, you know, the right experience. Will Jewel have an offline element or will it double down on online? I think online is the biggest opportunity, yeah. but but I but I do think you know when I think about retail or e-commerce, um, retail is is not just online; it's offline as well. You know, it's kind of it's the omni-channel experience. And so, if it made sense to connect with customers and our brands and have something that you know for a limited time shared with them in an offline experience, I, I think that'd be really interesting to explore. Yeah, and as you look out as the future of of uh, of e-commerce, um, is it as uh, easy as hey, just more the same thing that's happening now, but more of it will go online. Like it will just continue to accelerate, or are we going to see something sort of radically different? I think there's. I think e-commerce is in just chapter one of sort of the the growth of where yeah. it's going to be. Uh, there's so many opportunities. So I, you know, this is just one thing that's a piece of jewel, but but really any business could apply it. So if you look offline right now, basically any pricing is completely static. Mm-hmm. Whoever you are, whatever you purchased in the past. If you go to buy to the store and buy bread, it's the same price for everyone. If you look at like airlines online, if you're going to buy travel, prices are different based on a myriad of factors for each individual. I think retail and pricing, there's a huge opportunity there. If you're a customer that's maybe willing to 
give your email address or your will, you know, you've shopped there before. I think brands can incentivize that behavior. And so I think pricing is a huge opportunity, you know, and then of course with VR and AR, I think there's a lot of different ways to experience what you're purchasing online right. and, and, and those will continue to evolve really quickly over yeah. the next few years. What do you think is unique to the luxury market that will evolve in the next five to 10 years? I think luxury, I think as customers are more and more comfortable to spend online, luxury brands are going to invest way more into the channel. They're going to be putting their full inventory. There's going to be exclusives. There's going to be a chance to win in the luxury market. There's going to be, I don't know who it's going to be. And hopefully Jewel can be a piece of that. But there's certainly going to be multiple, you know, multi, multi multi-billion dollar businesses that are helping luxury brands drive new sales. Um, you know, as you think about fashion, there's all there's all these markets that are trying to go online, and th- that's that's a, it's a wide open market. Yeah, and um, when we talk about luxury, just zoom out for a second. What are we talking about? We're talking about just the high end of all types of fashion. Is it is it fashion beauty? Like, what, what are we talking about when we talk about like what elements? You know, so I think luxury is a state of mind. Yeah. You know, just like being happy is a state yes. of mind. So if a brand considers themselves luxury. Who am I? Who's Andrew Lando to tell them that they're not luxury? Right. You know, of course, you need to take brand positioning and price point and packaging and, and all those exclusivity, et cetera. But if a brand wants to position themselves and, in fact, does position, position themselves in a luxury space, it's not how much money you have. It's not how much you charge. Right. It's how you position the product. And, and But I it's think, physical goods, right? Like, we're not saying, like, the New Yorker is luxury. Or the something. New Yorker is not luxury, yeah. but, but there's many, you know, I think up-and-coming consumer brands, whether it's in beauty or athleisure or even in travel that that consider themselves a premium product Hmm. i I would consider that luxury yeah but it's it's always physical goods right we're not having any like digital luxury digital is a little outside of my skill set so i'm sure there's many digital there's many (laughs) digital luxury products but you know i don't i don't know enough about it (laughs) and um we mentioned we talked about far-fetched net-a-porte net-a-porte what um so you should jewel is at scale it's potentially competing with them no, it's it's scale. Jewel is partnering with these new yeah. with these other marketplaces as well. We really see ourselves as a partner. So we work with Net-A-Porter and many of these other and Barney's and Bergdorf and Saks, and we're helping them find new sales. So yeah. if a customer is just going to one marketplace, you know they're seeing a limited selection and the fact that they're just seeing the SKUs that that retailer has decided to work with. If they're coming to Jewel, they're seeing at some point the products or at least have the opportunity to purchase from the hundreds of different retailers and brands that yeah. we work with. And so as we think about the evolution of our business, it's helping customers find and discover brands. It's helping them curate it. It's working with others to show them what they want to yeah. purchase um, or at least give them suggestions. And I think that will be very helpful, you know, as the marketplace gets more crowded. And Barney Sachs, are these off- offline re- retailers? They're offline and online. Uh-huh. So, so you know, I know we're over here in San Francisco. There's there's a Saks right down the street, yep. and you know, they they have a fantastic online business. They have a fantastic offline business, yep. and we see ourselves helping them acquire customers. As long as the brands are happy, you know, I'm sort of agnostic on on how right. we're acquiring traffic. And for them. when you look at something like Net-A-Porter or Farfetch, like what separates them two, or just like how how do these marketplaces like differentiate? So, you know, I can't speak for their individual businesses. A lot of these businesses are providing software for boutiques for up and coming like new fashion retailers to power their online stores and get seen online so we look jewel looks at ourselves as really an amplifier 
of any of these new marketplaces that are coming on board because as long as a customer is working on any marketplace or with any brand, we'll give them the opportunity to, to shop sort of on that site. Yep. And um, let's pretend that we were starting a fund that was uh, solely focused on, on e-commerce. Okay. Um, with an interest in luxury, but not exclusive to it. What, um, what would our thesis be or what would our requests for startups be? Like, where would we be looking to invest? Um, where do we think that in the next five to 10 years, you know, unicorn opportunities might, might emerge? Great question, Eric. So I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a, a thought that doesn't have to do with luxury, but sure. something that I've sort of uh, seen. So you know I live I live in Detroit or in Metro Detroit, and you know a lot of the the brands that are expanding there, retailers are the five belows, the dollar stores. A lot of the you know sort of these retailers that that may appeal to uh, you know their lower cost point. I think there's a huge opportunity you know from an investment standpoint to look at retailers that. Can you know that can really appeal to the Midwest? Uh, just because somebody lives in the Midwest doesn't mean that they don't have um, the same desires, the yeah. same needs, the same demands as the, in the big cities. And you know, walking around San Francisco for a few days, you see all these amazing brands that I'm sure many, many people in Detroit, which is also a very large city, have never heard of or been exposed to. And so, I think if brands and retailers can effectively approach and connect with really the vast majority of Americans. That's a huge opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Andrew, this has been a fantastic episode. Um, any uh, plugs for Jewel and what people can stay tuned for and where, where they can check it out? Sure. So it would be great if anyone, could, everyone could check out Jewel. The website's usejewel.com, U-S-E-J-E-W-E-L.com. And yeah, any advice, feedback, we'd you know, love, love to hear it. And if you thought uh, Andrew really knew what he was talking about, uh, which, like I did, I'd want to reach out to him personally. Where can they find you on the internet? You can you can email me. So my email awesome. is andrew at usejewel.com. Again, it's andrew at usejewel.com. Uh, yeah, any, anyone who's interested in chatting and has feedback or advice would, would love to hear it. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Eric. If you're an early stage entrepreneur, we'd love to hear from you. Please hit us up at villageglobal.vc slash network catalyst.